joining and welcome to Global Capital's America's Derivatives Awards Winners Podcast, where we'll be in conversation with one of the winning firms. I'm your host, Duncan Kerr, and I'm a contributing editor at Global Capital. Today, I'm joined by Mike Clark, Head of Investor Solutions for Société Générale Structured Products Business, and Alex Echo, Head of Structured Products Distribution for the US. The bank this year won Structured Products House of the Year. Structured Products Business distinguished itself in a number of different ways, not least with its outstanding quantitative investment solutions platform to support its clients' needs and for rolling out a range of innovative new products, with ESG-themed products notably coming to the fore. Mike, congratulations on the win. Looking back over the past 12 months, how would you characterize the year the structured products business has had? Well, thank you, Duncan, and uh, we, we really appreciate the, the recognition and the award. Um, you know, like many uh, years where there's a crisis, it it was really, um, it was a year where you could actually, it was almost like many years in one year is probably the easiest way to describe it. Um, you know, we had, um, you know, pre-pandemic period, we had uh, pandemic crisis period, we had recovery period, and now we have uncertainty period. And so it was a year where, you know, I think everybody um, on the client side was tested, uh, banks around the street were tested. We had uh, many different uh, pricing environments. It was really, frankly, um, a very fascinating year to be uh, involved, and it was a very involved, you know, period to be here. Um, you know, and and you know, you have to layer on top of that the whole work from home element too. So, um, you know, it was probably one of the most uh, fascinating years to be in finance is probably the simplest way to put it. Uh, and, and that had, you know, many good things and, uh, and new things to discover. That's, that's the way I would probably describe it. Absolutely. Interesting to hear. Alex, do you have anything to add there? No, I, I would uh, definitely uh, echo uh, Mike's thoughts. I mean, um, clearly, uh, it, it, I think uh, it, it was um, a, a very interesting year, uh, you know, uh, uh, profitable in, in some ways, challenging in some others. And I think it's prompted uh, firms like Societe Générale to uh, try to reinvent uh, themselves and their offer um, and, and, and look at what's uh, ahead, basically. Absolutely. You know, looking back in the past 12 to 16 months, uh, there has no doubt been some very interesting periods in the structured products market, as there has been in every other financial market. Looking at the trends you saw and how the market performed over this period, what was particularly interesting or stood out for you? Did anything emerge that you haven't seen before? I think, um, you know, I would just go back in time a little bit and just to remind ourselves what has happened, uh, because I think the, 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 the 12 to 16 months period that just uh, came to an end sort of feels like five years. Um, and so, you know, let's go back to some of the past quarters to, to remind ourselves. So Q1 of, of last year, I think it was sort of the um, eye of the storm, increased volatility, decreased spot, which made it the perfect entry point for this product offer. Um, this is why, you know, we saw record sales, um, you know, the first quarter um, and uh, was, was, was great. Um, then we moved on to Q2, uh, and this is when the world moved to remote working. Um, we saw that, uh, you know, flows uh, were significantly down uh, across the streets. Um, 
we can get into some of the uh, distributors we, we cover in the U.S. because basically what's important to remember about Société Générale is that we're one of the uh, only investment bank in the U.S. that doesn't have captive distribution in this country. So we need to develop even stronger partnership uh, with our distributors. Um, we look at uh, distributors in sort of a broader spectrum um, and cater to um, the large uh, international private banks to the sort of you know middle range regionals and then also to the smaller shops and what's interesting to know is that and see actually is that through the switch to 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 uh, work from home not all um, types of distributors have reacted the same way and managed to adapt as 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 uh, quickly as one another. As far as Société Générale is concerned, thanks to our automation um, and our setup, we've actually managed to maintain, uh, you know, business as usual. Although we all move home, um, and this was actually a, a a great testimony that we got from from clients who actually at first didn't even realize that we had left the office. So, so that was that was great to hear. Um, about those three different subgroup of structured products uh, distributors uh, in the US. Um, I think one thing is, which is worth mentioning is that we saw that the larger global tier one distributors are, have probably been the franchises most affected um, in terms of reduced flows at first, because they were probably the ones that needed the most adaptation to the new work environment. On the other hand, the what we call wholesalers, so basically those independent network that travel the country, uh, you know, uh, four days a week, that kind of distribution um, channel really didn't skip a beat because they were already used to working from home, to working from the road. Um, and so it was really interesting. And, and, and you know, this was clearly um a good learning experience you know they 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 knew how to work it out from day one given their um, the way they were uh, set up initially as far as we're concerned um you know i mentioned earlier that you know our automation um allowed us to to switch um seamlessly um and also our diversification in terms of types of distributors also managed to keep us strong in the game uh, because we also had that exposure to those independent uh, uh, networks that continued to um, to 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 deliver uh, basically and duncan i'll just chime in also from a macro perspective you know part of your question was what have we seen that we've never seen before it's it's you know i could not have thought that would even be remotely or you know feasible to be 100 percent virtual you know, and and we were um, in the U.S. at least. We were, and actually, frankly, for Paris and our colleagues around the globe, we were 100% virtual. Uh, probably the first firm to go 100% virtual. We were 100% vir virtual early March, and um, it, it was fascinating. I mean, frankly, um, you know, trading floors are set up for a reason to be, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder uh, with within shouting distance and eye contact distance from traders. Um, 
you know, and, and it's been there since, you know, f- for decades, right? And, and the concept of being 100% virtual, you know, uh, at the snap of a finger or fingers, um, it, it's really fascinating to be able to pull it off. And, and I, you know, there's many like us that have, but, um, you know, we, we had to kind of reinvent how we talk to each other. We had to reinvent our frequency of meeting together as teams. We had to reinvent how do we keep in touch with our clients? How do we communicate to our clients? Um, we, you know, used all kinds of technology that we'd never used before. Um, you know, we, and, and, you know, frankly, it was uh, shockingly seamless shockingly seamless, you know, because you would think, um, you know, banks aren't the best at, you know, uh, being uh, great with technology. And, and I wouldn't say we're great, but in this instance, it was a, a, a fascinating and really adaptive process that we went through. And it, it you know, we, we didn't suffer really for it at all. Um, you know, I think longer term, it's great that we're coming out of this finally. Uh, but through through the heart of it, the front end of the the, the crisis, um, it was really really fascinating to see uh, this operation here. Uh, you know, operate at a high level. It's really interesting to hear. Thank you both for that insight. Um, turning to some of the themes that you're seeing play out. I mean, what are those themes that investors want to express a view on and how exactly are they doing that? For instance, what are we seeing in areas such as inflation and indeed in ESG? So you touched upon inflation. Uh, This is clearly a theme, uh, no doubt about that. Um, That being said, how do you play it? I think if inflation on its own, so a pure play on CPI is an expensive one. And so I think... um, the market has been struggling to find, you know, the the, the, the perfect trade. That being said, you know, with our a tremendous financial engineering uh, force at Societe Generale, we've managed to actually develop offers um, that allow to make this play using proxies. This is why, um, you know, uh, we've been able to offer products on energy, for example. Uh, we've been off, uh, able to offer... Uh, products uh, linked to rates, um, you know, um, if, if on, on rising rates, uh, for example. Um, and so, uh, clearly, again, the theme of inflation. Um, still rates related, um, the theme of curve steepening has been a big one. Uh, we've actually been um, uh, promoting our internal research and, 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 and the great uh, paper they've put together um, on their outlook uh, and, and steepening. Um, on the equity side, um, as you can imagine, um, we've been talking a lot about stock baskets that have been benefiting and that are still benefiting from the new work environment, you know, the switch to remote, you know, the Zooms and the like, um, and many, many more. Um, there's also conversation about uh, Bitcoins, uh, which uh, we aren't necessarily um, focusing tremendously on, but with, you know, new uh, vehicles like Coinbase, this is something that allows us to start offering solutions. And then last but not least, clearly ESG. Um uh, but I think this is just the, the, the beginning of it uh, in the U.S., quite frankly. 
That's very interesting, Alex. Thank you for that. Mike, um, what about from your side? Anything to add on top of what Alex mentioned there? Um, I think Alex gave a good overview. I mean, I think, um, you know, from a thematic standpoint, you know, because it was such a volatile year, you know, we had a lot of different themes at different times. You know, we clearly weren't marketing um you know, energy-related uh, products at the front end of the crisis, but, um, you know, with the extreme dislocations, those became more popular. We also had, um, you know, products linked to uh, ARC as well that uh, came out, and that was something that we saw around the street. Um, ESG has been a consistent one here. Um, you know, I think we were going to talk about that a little bit. I think, um, you know, it's it's there's a, a pretty continual drumbeat, um, you know, uh, internally here because we're so focused on it. Um, but also we're starting to see uh, green shoots with clients on that front as well. So that's becoming a bigger thing. And I think, you know, in the marketplace as well, there's, um, you know, with the the election and the change in administration, um, you know, we're talking about market dynamics, but frankly, uh, you know, when you look at the election and post-election, uh, it's almost like the, uh, the marketplace and the, um, the dialogue around ESG switched materially. Um, you know, the the concept of of uh, you know uh, electric and hybrids and all of those things. You know, that was a major major shift, and I think it's uh, an increasing theme and increasing focus um, that that we're starting to see as well. Uh, I think it it's translated itself mostly uh, to date through ETFs because that's the first access point. Um, I think. What we're also seeing, though, is, um, you know, ESG, there's a, you know, there's a demand pull, which, uh, as I mentioned, initially was, um, you know, done through uh, clients, you know, accessing direct market vehicles. Um, but uh, the the second part is a top-down push as well. And that that took a little bit more time because you had to have the change in administration, the change of focus, the change of dialogue. But that increasingly is uh, something that's being discussed with our clients. Um, you know, it, it, organizations are becoming much more cognizant of it as a thematic, as an important priority organizationally. And so it's getting pushed into down to uh, the level where we, you know, have dialogue with our distributors and things like that. So it's becoming, you know, much more prevalent theme. Uh, anecdotally, we... Um, we won um, uh, an insurance mandate uh, about a year ago on a climate theme. And at the time, it was the first one done in the marketplace. And we we were very happy to do it because it's obviously a focus here. And we weren't sure what the sales would be like. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the FIA mandate just launched maybe three, four months ago. And it's probably been um, twice... Uh, the sales expectations, you know, the sales results have been twice our expectation. And, um, you know, and now we're coming up with a second product in the, that same marketplace. And what we're seeing is, um, you know, pretty good demand on the distributor side, where, whereas before it was largely uh, quiet on that front. So, so you know, we have a lot of little, um, you know, uh, nuggets of information where you can see that, you um, that shift happening in the U.S. Uh, granted, you know, belatedly versus uh, Europe, um, but it's definitely uh, becoming an interesting theme here. Absolutely, the entire finance industry is very much focused on ESG as, as a topic, um, and uh, you know, it's a profoundly important topic, not just, of course, for the finance industry, but for the world at large. I mean. 
focusing specifically on investors, uh, you mentioned um, there some of the, the, the appetite that uh, you are encountering from investors, but wh where do you see the opportunity in ESG for investors? And in addition to that, what are some of the challenges um, investors and indeed the industry are facing in this area? I think from a challenge standpoint, there's been um, a historical preconception in the states at the, at the very least that if you're going to invest in ESG, um, you're going to suffer from a performance standpoint. And that's that's something that you 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 know have heard historically here. Um, we actually are increasingly of the opinion that you know if you get into um, you know some more some of the more theoretical finance concepts when you get into factor analysis you know when you talk about quality growth momentum value and things like that which are are factors that compensate you for you know isolating that factor and investing that factor we're increasingly of the belief that you know climate and adapting your your company and your board and everything else to climate and 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 making that shift is actually going to be a f going to be a factor that's going to be compensated. It's going to compensate you, and you can see that actually in the states. You know, with the uh, the major petroleum producers here, um, you know, Chevron was trading much better at a much better multiple than Exxon. Um, but Exxon, after the activity that happened with, um, you know, with the activist investors, you know, and they've had to change their composition of their board, um, that they're performing better. And so the, you know, our view is um, the historical, it's, there's an educational challenge there, historically in the States. Um, you know, truth be told, there probably was a performance, you know, challenge many years ago. But increasingly, as we look at you know, some of the indices that we're offering in the, you know, high net worth space and through the insurance channels, what we're noticing is that recent performance is shifting. And so ESG uh, climate in particular is increasingly becoming, um, you know, a, a compensated factor. So, so, and that that's really where the opportunity is, because if we can make that bridge um, and communicate and educate uh, the client base on that front, um, you know, we'll be able to do that. I, I think when you look at, you know, clients in the U.S., um, you know, you have to split it up by demographics. So the newer demographic is pretty in tune. In fact, they're demanding it, you know, and that's why we've seen uh, on the institutional side, our clients that, um, you know, are college endowments, they're very sensitive to these issues because they've got the demand from the student body. Um, as you get, you know, into the older, uh, you know, tiers of client base, that's where you have the education challenge where you uh, have to get into that discussion of what's a, you know, is this a factor where you're going to get compensated or not? Um, and so I think, you know, the, the upside is the demographics are continually shifting uh, in favor of this. The dialogue in Washington is shifting in favor of this. Um, and it's, it's you know, there's momentum behind it. So that's, that's really the opportunity there. Um, Alex, anything you would add there? Um, I mean, we can perhaps, you know, touch upon some of the solutions that Societe Générale has been working on for the U.S. market. Um, and, and, and started to, to get traction on. I think uh, the big picture is um, the bank is investing heavily uh, to be a leader uh, in, 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 in ESG uh, product offer. Um, and I think where 
in some regions, the product offer is a bit more, more advanced, has allowed us in the US to import some of those uh, technologies. I think uh, when you talk about how to put together an ESG-friendly product, I think you can think of the underlying, and, I, and, and, and Mike touched upon that, but you can also think about the wrapper. Um, some call it green bonds. Um, you know, we have our types of uh, ESG wrappers, and, and I'll just uh, take you through two of them quickly. Um, the first one is what we call positive impact note, and then I think this is the wrapper we had the most success with in the US. In a nutshell, it's a standard structured note issued by SG. Um, the main difference is that SG commits to um, lending um, equivalent amount of notional raise through that note to positive impact project around the world. Um, so, 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 and, and that's been uh, very well received uh, in the US. And then secondly, this is a new uh, project that we're importing from Europe uh, and that has also had some success in Asia. Um, you know, it's not so far from from uh, from ESG. Um, it's the the theme of what we call charity notes, uh, where basically, um, again, this is a note issued by S issued by SG, um, where a, a a portion of the proceeds um, is paid. Um, by SG to uh, charities uh, in the US for the US program. And so once again, those two elements that I just described are on the wrapper side, obviously, on the lines, um, there's a plethora of, of, of possibilities from, you know, the most standard indices or ETF um, to uh, what we call thematic baskets uh, that we where we leverage our research department to come up with, with ESG thematic basket. And last but not least, as Mike was mentioning, custom indices um, that we put together with the help of, of um, third-party providers uh, like Intelligent, for example. It's been fascinating to hear your thoughts on all of this, Mike and Alex. So thank you for your time and all your insight. And thank you for listening to this Global Capital Awards Winners Podcast. Please join us next time. Thank you. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you.